You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi on the Stitcher Radio Network. Warning, there are spoilers to the new Star Trek movie, Into Darkness, on this podcast. If you haven't watched the movie yet, you may want to hold off listening to this podcast this week. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 438 for May 26, 2013. I'm Rick Moyer. And I'm Jeff Job, And I am Brian Dunn. And today we are going to be talking about more ships of Starfleet. <laughs> I know it sounds really nerdy, but you know how many people have co- commented on the show that we did, Jeff, um, on just talking about the Enterprise? Tons of people loved it. Yeah, was, for sure. Was, yeah, you guys did a great job with that show, and I didn't realize you were really, you were doing that until after. And I was so bummed that I couldn't join you guys because the original Enterprise and the movie Enterprise are two ships that were were a big part of my Trek fandom growing up. And uh, yeah, they're so near was, and dear uh, to your heart, aren't they? Yeah, I, I mean, I I was making original series AMT Enterprises back in the the mid seventies, and that was I, I'd make like one a year. It was just my favorite model kit, and then. Uh, the refit when uh, the motion picture came out was uh, was another kit that I made a lot of. It just it's just something that means a lot to me, and it was really great to hear you guys giving a uh, review of those and talking a lot about production and the designs and everything that went into making those uh, come to life on the screen. Well, you know what's fun is is in the regular conversation with people, most people don't talk about what we're talking about. So it's nice when we can actually sit down and have an intelligent conversation. And I know that these are made up and we know that they're models, you know, but at the same time, it's fun to dream and it's fun to talk about these things that have fascinated us since we were little kids. Well, I think I think you guys really nailed it in, insofar as that you, you made mention that the Enterprise is as much a character as the characters Big time. in Star Trek, especially in Star Trek Three when they destroy it. Oh, that was a very emotional moment. It was. And, you know, and for me, that eight-minute, basically, love fest for the Enterprise in Star Trek The Motion <laughs> Picture, a lot of people complain about that scene. I could watch that scene all day long. Over, I, get, over, I over. get just chills watching that with the music and the way it was just the whole the whole thing is shot. It's just terrific. I love it. I love the practical effects that that they had uh, back in the day that made these these ships look so real, look so big. And uh, yeah, it, it it's always been an important part of my fandom. So I really appreciate the fact that we get a chance to talk about them. Well, we ran yeah, out exactly, of, yeah. Brian. Exactly. It's just a uh, just yeah. Not not to belabor the point too much, but it's. I agree with you. Like, say, the the motion picture, everyone goes, ah, motion picture. But like I say, I could watch that all day just watching all those those just beauty shots of the Enterprise. Yep. And just you look at, like, say, I, I know that we all kind of like to, um, you know, follow some of the model builders around on online and all that. 
and just seeing like kind of the details which go into those ships is just you know it's it's incredible it's considering amazing. uh considering you look at it and you go oh there must not much there but oh no yeah it's you, just I, all subtle detail did you I get, know did, all three of us follow steve neil's blog oh, and we watched that reliant he's been building oh, <laughs> oh man awesome. that thing is incredible I, I feel bad for him because the guy who commissioned it wanted that that hangar bay in the back and it was just it, steve was spending weeks trying to get that thing right but it came out it was just so it's so beautiful yeah, it's and he used cool. such, uh, there's so many uh, wires and uh, in there, it's tough to <laughs> stuff that thing together. And, I know. Yeah, I know at the end he, he switched to the, the magnet wire, which a lot of the builders are using now. But uh, Yeah, I, I never heard of that. I mean, and I have to say that as a, as a model builder, I am so not like that. I, I'm, I, can build a, I can build a basic model and paint it up so it looks pretty nice and do decal work and stuff, but... I've never built a lit model, and uh, it's it's a it's a whole other ball game, and it's just yeah. amazing to see these guys are real, true artists and craftsmen. It's just great to see their work. It is, it's it's amazing, yeah. and you actually, Brian, you're the one that turned me on to Steve. Blog. Yeah, I, I I commissioned him a year ago to build me a Katinga, and I watched every class. every one of the videos that he did, and then I just subscribed to his blog, and I've been following him ever since. Yeah, it's he's 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 a great guy and uh, does just does amazing work. So yeah, hats cool. off to the model builders, and in honor of them, we will discuss all the beautiful ships that they uh, they keep alive in our memories and our hearts, and uh, and ships that uh, appeared uh, throughout all of Star Trek, both series and film. Focusing uh, today on all the other Federation ships that uh, you guys didn't get a chance to touch on. Yeah, this is going to be great. Now, before we get into that, uh, do you do you guys want to discuss at all uh, Star Trek Into Darkness? Do you want to talk about it a little bit? Or it just... was awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, I know Rico just finished, just posted up the video podcast. Yep, I was uh, just watching all. you, as a matter of fact, Brian. Oh, were you really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I had to film that like eight times because Jensen kept fussing. <laughs> it was awesome. In fact, Amy walked in while, while I was watching, and she goes, oh, listen, it's the baby in the background. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess we, we guess we could. And I, I'll, I'll just say I love the film. I really felt I was engaged. I was, I was thrilled. I was entertained. I was touched. I was moved. I mean, anything and everything you could say that you'd want to have an, an experience of going to the movies i had some you know some concerns the, by the fact knowing knowing going into it that this was effectively a retelling of the story of khan but uh the places where i thought the film might fall flat for me didn't um there were, and i was surprised by again how engaged i was with the interpersonal relationships especially between kirk and spock yeah and between kirk and uhura yeah um and if anything actually for me the weakest the weakest part was the admiral marcus character i not to, not to take anything away from peter weller he was great i didn't i found him superfluous to the story almost a little he, bit unbelievable yeah it's like he was so bad and, it, and it's it, like, like how he was would he be kill everybody yeah and it was it's like, like huh? yeah and then and then he had to they bring in an old spock spock prime Basically, to do nothing more than to remind us that Khan, Khan is, the is bad a bad guy. guy. Yeah. yeah, not the Marcus guy. But <laughs> Kirk and Kirk and Khan are running around together, having an adventure. It's right. The, that was the only thing that that really didn't strike me well. And I, I wish that they had thought of a way to to eliminate that part of the story and let this let Khan's motivation not simply be. Because I mean, we learn his motivation in one scene of exposition in the, in the break. He literally has to tell us why he's angry. I would have rather yeah. seen him. I'd rather seen Starfleet or Starfleet Intelligence in Section Thirty One treating him in a way that it gave motivation behind his rage. In 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 Space Seed, Khan 
simply wanted to return to ruling and take over the Enterprise, and he had a personal thing with Kirk, and that carried over into Wrath of Khan. So you got why Khan was having was doing what he was doing. Right. This was a little bit challenging because it was really like, well, it's, everyone should be pissed off at this Marcus guy, not Khan. Right. I mean, right. Khan is just trying to save his people. So, but but that's my that's really my only complaint. Uh, and we can talk later about the obviously the ships and the new sure. Enterprise sure. and the uh, USS Vengeance and the new Bird of Prey Klingon ships and the new shuttlecrafts. But uh, no, it was it was, a, it was a great movie, and everyone should go out and see it. Cool. What about you, Jeff? What did you What did you think? Uh, I got a lot of the same uh, feelings that Brian has. Uh, it's just a awesome, awesome movie. Just uh, oh, thoroughly enjoy it. enjoyed it. Uh, like I say, it held me the the whole time. Usually, I'm person who goes to a movie theater, and I really like. I'm pretty easy on movies. I don't judge them hard. But like I say, I love this one. But usually, when I'm sitting in movies, uh, eh, I tend to drift here and there. But this one, just start to finish, just held me and. Uh, like say it was just like wow, and then when it was finished, it was it was over, and uh, say it's just uh, I don't know, like say you know like I I went in pretty blind because I try to uh, keep uh, rather spoiler free, so uh, the whole um like Kirk dying type stuff uh, that that kind of caught me off guard, and uh, mm. and it was <laughs> like wow, you know you know that, that that switch up on on the Rathacon was uh, was kind of interesting though. Um, I guess part of me like like I thought the the sequences right at the end when um you know Spock was like madly hunting down uh Khan there were great it's just part of me knowing that they switched it up going ah, just you know if that was like Star Trek Prime that would be Kirk Kirk right. would be the guy who's right. just mm -hmm. on the mad yeah. chase for Khan so it left me feeling a little you know I wish that was Kirk because I don't know it's just Kirk is just you know he's the man eh yeah. Kirk is the man and and Spock he's cool too but he's always kind of He's the sidekick. Well, I shouldn't say the sidekick, but he's the right-hand man to right. to Kirk. And uh, so I, I was a little like, uh, just I would love to seen seen Kirk on that that wild uh, kind of mad chase. chase. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I I, I really liked the movie. I thought it was really well done. Uh, Nathan and I went to the IMAX 3D showing on the on the premiere or the the day before Thursday the night, premiere. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday night, right? Wednesday night, yeah. And we got those cool glow in the dark posters. That was fun. But uh, we watched the movie and. We just sat there. We laughed at. I mean, it was so great because it was crowded. So we had yeah. tons of people there, and we all we were all Star Trek fans. So you could hear us laughing. I mean, we laughed at the right places. We mm -hmm. the people applauded at places, and it was really funny. The mixed uh, the mixed reaction when Spock yelled out "Con." Yeah. Um, some of us laughed and were embarrassed, and other people shouted and raised their fists like they thought it was the best thing that ever happened. It was yeah, really was a mixed reaction. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're absolutely right. I, I I mentioned in my that I was sort of ambivalent to it. I mean, it because I, I knew it was coming. And right. The same thing with the Kirk, the Kirk and Spock death scene. Initially, I was very upset to hear that because the the scene in Wrath of Khan always impacted me a lot emotionally. Yes, it was great, especially Kirk's eulogy afterwards. It yeah. Always brings me to tears every time yeah. I watch it. But I actually. I was I was I was in in for a penny in for a pound especially when they let Spock show an emo some emotion yep. and that tear fall down his face yeah. I got verklempt I was yeah. like whoa I was like wow I'm really getting affected by this and I thought I, this was going to make me angry right. but you're so right it, the first the first 30 minutes of that movie there's dialogue that it's is so, so snappy funny. smart oh. and funny oh it, it, I just it was, it was great when they're, when they're in front of Admiral Marcus <laughs> and, and like having the back and forth about you know who's who reported who and who ratted who out right. that was hysterical I it was, was like, this is great <laughs> it was it reminded me so much of the original series 
Yeah. And it was, yeah. they captured that spirit of it, you know, but it was, Absolutely. it was really good. But I'll tell you the second time I took Amy and Catherine the second time mm-hmm. and we went to just a regular 3d showing, not the IMAX. And I actually liked it better the second time because I caught more and I also, it was more emotional. I actually started to shed a tear. I didn't at the, at the first time I saw it, but on the second time I saw it, it was, impacted me emotionally. And yeah. then I looked over and my daughter who's 17 no. years old, who no. doesn't like Trek, has a tear in her on her cheek. She really liked it. and wow. But it really moved her emotionally. And I thought, okay, baby, this is cool. Actually, I went with my um, nephews. Well, my, one, my, one of my nephews and then a friend of mine's son uh, went uh, when we went. And they both are, my nephew's 13 and my friend's son, he's like, eh, like 15, I think. They both really, really enjoyed that movie. It really hit home with them. So that's, that's awesome. A new generation fans. of Trek fans. Exactly. Bring them in. Bring them in. Anyway. All let's right. Get well, ships, okay. Boys. Well, let's get to it. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna hand it over to Jeff since Jeff is the man, with and he's man. he's got the plan and he's got the notes. So we're gonna let uh, Jeff kind of spearhead this talk. But uh, here we go. Let's talk about the other types of ships in the Federation. Okay, so let's talk about the other ships in the Federation. And if it's all right with you guys, I think we'll we'll kind of work on the Trek Prime ones first, and then we'll cycle back at the end, and we'll talk about the um, about the the ships in um, in, in the JJ uh, verse, JJ Abrams movies. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, I I think because I I think it's a nice little break, and then we come back and we can uh, gush all over the movie or or whatever, or all the new ships that we got to see. <laughs> or I can complain. Anyway, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think we'll start off with the um, with with some of uh, with the just the prime ships here, and and we'll start off with um, we'll start off with the one which probably got the most screen time that we did besides uh, an Enterprise ship, and that would be the uh, Voyager USS uh, Voyager, yes. mm-hmm. which was uh, a whole series of uh, actually a really a really great looking ship in my opinion. Um, I always liked it. I, I found it. Um, I. I don't know. It was a sleek-looking ship. Um, just, you know, if I was thinking of a, you know, just a real modern-looking starship, Voyager was just, I don't know, a beautiful ship. What were your guys' thoughts on it? You know, Voyager. Voyager's interesting. I, I from a design standpoint, um, I like it. Um, I think it it incorporates some of of what we traditionally want to see in a Federation ship, that being a primary hull, secondary hull, nacelles. But it does it in a way that's very organic and uh, very similar, obviously, to the Enterprise-E. You could see that from a design standpoint that they were looking to sort of bridge that gap in, in terms of the design of Federation ships that have been established in the past and is moving towards the, that more sleek, integrated shape that it has. Mm-hmm. I think the, the, the moving nacelles is a nice little feature. That's, and what, that was what, my favorite, yeah. Yeah, and what's neat about the Voyagers, about the Intrepid-class ships, is that they're specifically designed for fast, deep, long-term exploration as opposed to being more of a of a, a ship of state like the Enterprise D or a ship of war effectively, which was the Enterprise E or the Defiant, this was truly a ship of exploration. And I think that 
it sort of cosmetically looks less threatening. It looks kind of yeah. happy. It's a, it's a nice, you know, it's a, it's definitely not as militaristic as some of the other ships are, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it introduced a lot of neat new technology uh, with the bio uh, neural gel packs and stuff. Those are cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that that was a neat that was a neat idea to sort of incorporate that, and, and the fact that it was sort of new, quote unquote, new technology that Federation was simply tr- was was trying for the first time with these ships. Um, so it was very interesting the way they, they sort of incorporated all that. Wasn't it interesting, too, to note on this particular ship, all the ships that we had seen so far had a saucer section, some type of saucer section. Uh, I mean, the bigger ships. Yeah. And in this case, they had a saucer section, too, but Voyager was more of an oblong shape, like a dining room table. Yeah, it, it, like like I said, it's, it looks like the E, whereas yeah. you know, they, they, they do away with the dorsal neck that traditionally you know, all the enterprises had and, yeah. uh, you know, dates back to, you know, let's, and if I can just quickly go aside, go, go back in time a little bit and just give reference to the creator of, in my mind, of what a Federation ship looks like was Franz Joseph and his work with the Starfleet technical manual. Because even though Matt Jeffries and those guys developed the enterprise and the look in the early seventies or mid seventies, when he came out with that technical manual, it had different classes of ship beyond besides just the constitution class but all of them were based around a circular primary hull a dorsal neck a secondary hull and and warp pylons and nacelles and they just get reconfigured to look like or to become a different ship so what what the what the series has done is you know they really made it more an organic you know sort of development whereas the the TOS Enterprise to the Enterprise refit, pretty much the same design effectively. But then all of a sudden the Galaxy class was very kind of nouveau art deco and it was very different. Like, and like they squished it or something, yeah. Well, yeah, they just yeah, introduced exactly. more of a, of a form to it. And then from there you go to DS9, which, which, which had the Defiant, which, was to, which we'll get to, and then Voyager, which really, again, just sort of kept that organic-looking kind of vibe going that they were clearly trying to, you know, work into the films and stuff. So it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting it's interesting that you bring it up uh, there, Brian, because like I, when I was going through some of the notes, um, I guess uh, Rick Sternback, uh, who was uh, did a lot of development on this uh, Voyager uh, ship, uh, his first kind of um, his first uh, kind of stabs at it, it was much more of a uh, had much sharper cr- sharper um edges more, ang- more angular more angular um not as as flowing and i guess apparently the um the uh producers they they wanted something with more angular features uh actually they they told them to kind of you know kind of design it a bit after alexis actually you know give it some <laughs> some curves and, and that's funny things like that and uh, i was looking actually at one of his original models on on one of the on one of the websites and uh Actually, it was very interesting. His model, like the, it had kind of that, that diamond kind of shaped front front end, but uh, the nacelles are a lot different. Uh, uh-huh. They actually had them um, kind of like the uh, the Reliance nacelles, where they just kind of um, drop down. Okay. Uh, there wasn't really any. Um, they didn't pivot like the uh, like like we got to know the uh, the Voyager to have, but the original model that he drew or built, uh, they, they're more more static. Nacelles yep. which drooped down, which was which was kind of interesting. He said actually he almost kind of preferred his uh, his his original version to the one which was filmed, but uh, that's what the um, the producers wanted. wanted. 
Yeah. yeah. Jeff, do you, do, you, do you recall offhand? I know that there was a there was a there was a, as you put your notes here as well that there's a, there was a practical model that they built that they sold at the auction a four foot model. But was was this and the Enterprise E the last two practical models that were made for Star Trek? Ah, uh, very well could be because they because they also indicated that um, this model that um, I think once they got to the uh, fourth season. Uh, they they With start CGI. using CGI. So yeah. I believe because I believe that um, when I did my research on Enterprise, mm -hmm. I think I believe that was uh, pretty much a uh, CGI based model. So I think this pipe quite possibly might have been the last one of the last practical models. I know even with the uh, like you say with the Enterprise E, I think the first movie or was the second practical, movie right? yeah. practical, and then then it went to. Uh, a CGI model, so this might have been one of the last practical models that uh, they actually they actually did. Yeah, I, I, another question I had for you, I thought of uh, earlier today was, did did they have runabouts on Voy on the Voyager or no? Did they have standard like smaller shuttlecraft? I can't remember. Yeah, smaller yeah. shuttlecraft. Okay, you know, th there's always been a, yeah. a sort of a running joke that the the hangar bay of the Voyager is like the TARDIS because it, it could never hold the number of shuttlecraft that they, that they always say they have. Yeah, I mean, the ship is what? Only, what, 1,130 feet, and they had this huge hangar deck. Yeah, it was it, yeah. It, it was always kind of like, huh, how they get all, the, all those Well, they had Neelix's shuttle in there. They right, had the yeah. Delta Flyer <laughs> that they built. They had a bunch of regular ones, yeah, so it's like, huh. And and Voyager gets the distinction of being the only hero Starfleet ship we see that that actually does land on planets, which is kind of cool. Oh, that now that was really cool. I'll, I'll never forget the first time they did that in the series, mm -hmm. and they landed that puppy, and it was like, I mean, obviously there's a whole lot of problems with that whole idea, but it was really cool. <laughs> well, why, why do you say there are problems with that idea? Because I mean, I, well, I sort of always accepted it as being well, they can fly through space and go faster than the speed of light. Why couldn't they land on a planet? Well, I, I think because first off, the ships weren't, the, the the big ships like that, I don't feel, were designed to land, even though mm -hmm. they did on this one. But if you think about it, like uh, back on the original series, when the Enterprise, we never saw it go into the atmosphere until that one where they went back in time. Yeah. And, and, Assignment Earth. Right. And then, of course, during that time... Uh, there was a big problem because they were, you know, they weren't. They're falling. They're falling they, they, right. They had worked back in time and they right. were falling through the atmosphere and having trouble getting back getting up back up yeah. into the atmosphere. So, uh, to me, it's like that. It's almost impossible for a ship like that unless you have some way of, of can, will the warp bubble work or will will the the impulse engines work in a place that has gravity? Atmosphere. You know, I don't I don't know. Know. The impulse engine, which I think they would have enough thrusters to. That's a big to, ship. It is, uh, yeah. I, I, I Voyager's gave, big, I but it it's not huge. It's, uh, it's considerably smaller than a galaxy. That's, well, that's true. That's true. I, it's funny. I, this is always something that I just sort of always gave them. I figured if they can travel faster than the speed of light, and they, they have figure how to land structural it. integrity fields that actually can make the ship stronger in order to withstand. And now we know they, or, they can go under the ocean. So well, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> the USS U-boat. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's uh, the Voyager is a neat ship and uh, a good, definitely a good one to start off with. Very cool. Yeah. Yep. Some uh, more stats, I guess, on this. Uh, uh, according to the uh, Memory Alpha uh, page, uh, the Epintrepid class was, was 700,000 metric tons. Uh, its maximum warp uh, capacity was uh, was 9.75, so it, it could go fast. Uh, it had a crew complement of 140. Uh, length was uh, 
1,130 feet, uh, 15 decks, and 257 rooms. Uh, designed for, uh, like we said, long-term exploration, half the size of a Galaxy-class uh, starship. And the uh, warp pylons um, were uh, able to be raised and lowered. So what they, when they raised the pylons, they were doing warp, and when they lowered, they were doing sublight speeds. This allowed for uh, better engine efficiency for uh, longer periods of you know warp aid and faster uh, traveling speeds. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the whole um, logic behind the um, the nacelles moving around. Um, there was some discussion as well too that apparently um, that would be easier on the uh, subspace uh, fabric or whatever for warp speed. But I guess uh, later episodes that was kind of uh, they wrote that in that that wasn't the case and that Voyager was still cruising around the Delta qu- quadrant wearing out everyone's uh, <laughs> space with their, their <laughs> bad warp bubbles. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Couple other things here: the uh, bio bio neural gel packs that we see in this um, in, in Voyager, like uh, Rick uh, touched on a little earlier. You know, the, with all the, the green kind of goo, the, yeah, the yeah. kind of the bluish green goo. Uh, uh, very, like, say it was uh, kind of prototype, kind of uh, first that they did it. It was kind of organic uh, computer system which allowed them to have billions of connections, operated at faster speeds than isolinear chips, and was able to do this what they called. Fuzzy logic, which basically meant that the ship can kind of do a best guess instead of having to work through all kind of possible calculations. So kind of work more like like a kind of human or organic being. Creepy. Right. right. Uh, a couple other things here. Um, as we know, it was equipped. It was first shipped equipped with a EMH. So That's which right. was uh, the doctor. Right? Nature of the medical emergency. That's right. Yeah. That's a what a great character. Yeah. At the time, yeah. it had its highest top it had the highest top speed of any Starfleet vessel. Um, they later came out with the uh, ships which yeah, had. Yeah, Janeway high... manages to stop every five minutes to check something yeah. out. So God forbid. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you home, boys. Hey, let's stop. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, and it had uh, some had of the best navigational sensors. <laughs> um, what else can I put in here? Um, a few other notes. Uh. I guess a bridge that was built for this, the filming bridge, was the largest, um, the largest bridge that they built for any of the the series that they they filmed. It was, like, I guess, three levels. So huh. this was the largest one. The prototype they, model. What if they, what if they include Janeway's ready room in that, or if that's sort of considered part of that set? You know. You mean it's, Janeway's house because that's yeah. how big it was. <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, I, the the uh, Enterprise D had a pretty wide bridge. It was pretty open and you know expansive, but. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of a lot of stations up on the bridge of the Voyager. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like say, yeah, the Enterprise one. Like it always felt like uh, the Enterprise D. It always felt like you're just sitting in your living room or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, uh, I guess the uh, studio model was uh, studio model is built out of vacuum formed and plastic and resin with the internal neon lighting. Uh, it was uh, with uh, 61 inches by 24 inches by 10 inches, and they referred to it as the five-foot model. Cool. And then another interesting thing, too, was apparently on their – they had little tiny um, kind of still photographs uh, for some of the interior windows for, for when they did uh, some of the filming. So that was kind of interesting. Yep. Cool. Very good. So now what's our next ship? Our next ship, we are going to go to the. Uh, you guys want to stay in the uh, kind of the um, 
next generation uh we'll go with the defiant next how about that Ooh, yeah. no actually you know what we'll go with the delta flyer because it works with the uh with, with the boy the, with the oh, uh, i remember yeah. the delta flyer yeah 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 delta flyer so we'll go with that that was a cool ship i like that ship there was two of them because one got destroyed by the uh by the borg and then they built a replacement and they made uh, a model there's a model kit of that wasn't there I believe so. I think so. And it's just a tiny, it was just a tiny little guy. Yeah, it was a bit bigger than a, um, it was a bit larger than a a shuttle because it it could be crewed by one, but it could hold up to six. Um, There was, uh, it it was meant for a bit more, um, you know, you know, a bit more use. Uh, It was kind of blended uh, Federation and Borg technologies, um, basically since they had 709, because they kind of realized that they're, uh, that they're, the shuttles that they had just, weren't up to the task of um they weren't up to the task of uh of the delta <laughs> delta quadrant they just got uh, beat up and and uh, wasn't it tom's idea to to come up with this didn't he have the idea race. wasn't he doing a race it was an episode where he was entering it in a competition and he said he had this idea for this ship yeah 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 and they just needed something with a little more punch to it and all that because they just the 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 standard um you know shuttlecrafts that they had um just weren't um they just weren't good enough for uh, for who they're meeting up with in the uh, Delta Quadrant. So right. I remember uh, seeing it for the first time after they'd built it and everything, and they were doing. And I was fascinated by the control system because it had it had analog like video game controls, and then it also had Federation stuff. So it was like a cross between the old Captain Proton stuff they were working on. Do you remember that? It had like a like a, a lever that they went back and forth with and like a joystick and stuff. And I was like, that's yeah. cool. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. Because I remember, yeah. Because, yeah, Tom was really uh, that kind of uh, retro uh, nostalgic guy. type, retro type guy. Yeah. And he, he always like, he, he wanted to outfit it with, uh, with uh, you know, yeah, like some of the, the old kind of uh, old school uh, technology, like you were saying. And uh, that, wasn't Tom also restoring like a truck or something? Yeah, yeah. Something? And then 7 of 9, 11, she, she would always roll her eyes every time he'd put something like that into it because it's like not very efficient. <laughs> <laughs> but it was kind of cool because it had a back room. And yeah. uh, and in fact, it was used in plot plot devices a lot, actually. Yeah. And, and there was a lot more room on it. It, it was like a, a giant well, it was like a runabout, a lot like one. Yeah, it yeah. was like a runabout. I like I said, I don't think they because usually runabouts are more um, runabouts are more um, they're given more to like space stations or um, larger type uh, right larger this, types. Well, and for, and for ships like runabouts could have like long distance. I don't think the Delta Flyer was designed to go a long ways away from the main ship. I think it was more of a you know uh, uh, when you take out you know when when you see the folks uh, going on vacation and they got their big uh, camper trailers and behind them they got their little car yeah. hooked up that's what to me that was the delta flyer was a little car hooked up to the back of the big you know camper but that's just me <laughs> <laughs> should we segue to the delta flyer we're in the delta flyer we are on the, the delta uh, flyer the, yeah the, the, the runabouts rather oh the yeah, runabouts? sure sure, sure. sure. The runabouts, uh, like say, um, let's go into the runabouts, and uh, didn't get a lot of information about them, but uh, they're basically um, they're designed to be smaller than a starship, but much larger than a shuttle. So they well, kind let, of fall in let's, between. Let's call them what what they really are. They're a conceit to get the crew of DS Nine off on adventures initially yes. before they came up with the Defiant. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and do you I mean, remember the first season? How many times we saw them launch the runabouts, and we never saw it again after that. 
<laughs> we never saw the, the and it was cool i loved it because they sh- basically showed the same scenes over and over and over of little clamps on on dock yeah. you know unlocking the or the docking clamps and all that jazz that was really fun but then remember how exciting it was on the next generation uh uh, show because it was running simultaneously with Deep yes, Space Nine right. for a while. Remember when they had the runabout and they were going to that con- or coming back from that conference, and they hit the time time variation and stuff, and uh, they were on a runabout, and that was really cool to see the the uh, Enterprise crew on a runabout instead yeah. of the DS Nine crew. I always liked that. Yeah, my, my my thing with I like the runabouts a lot. I always thought that they were they were, uh, first of all they're a neat design. I think the way that the design of the ships was really well done, um, and they make sense in terms of you know if you're going to be honest have a, a large st- a station or or a big capital ship you might have a ship uh, a smaller ship like this on board that can actually do some fighting so ha- do some damage or do some you know can travel far distance sometimes though it seemed that the runabouts were a l- almost a little too tough i mean they'd be going head to head with dominion ships Klingon yeah, ships you're right and it's like boy who needs who needs who needs a galaxy class you just got to run about and you can kick butt yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, they they packed a lot into those things because, uh, like, say, uh, like the runabout could do. Uh, I guess it, it could do up to warp five. So it yeah. was a like say it was a warp vessel. So you could take that on a bit of a trip that you wanted. Like well, say, think... and and like Brian said too, they seem to throw that thing into a lot of battles. So yeah, they came with four phasers and <coughs> one torpedo launcher. Cool. So it packed a lot into the um, to it. Also, it came with a tractor beam. Too, I didn't so. know. I didn't realize that. But you're right. Now that I think back, yeah. Yeah, we're actually yeah. rewatching Deep Space Nine, and I think I'm in. We're in season six. But, but is it yeah, my I, imagination? I, do they crash a bunch of those? A bunch. Of, yeah, they, there's a bunch of episodes where they end up on you know on yeah. a planet with a broken down runabout. Yeah, but, it's like, uh, geez, it's like the Ford in space. Yeah, uh, they destroyed a lot here because I'm looking through the list here, and we got the USS Gander. Just or what? No, is that is that the runabout? Yeah, the Ganges. Ganges. Yeah. 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 Like say the. They're all. Yeah. They, the USS Gander. The USS Ganges. They're all. They're all named after rivers on Earth. Yeah. The yeah. Grand. The Yangtze. Can. Yeah. Yukon. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all. all yeah. They're all all named after, and they're all just. You know how many they got here? List one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven destroyed. So, <laughs> they're kind of disposable ships, I guess, in in a sense. And they're known as uh, Danube class ships. That's yeah, what it made call. sense for them to have a have that sort of a, a an opportunity to, <coughs> for the Deep Space Nine crew to go someplace. Otherwise, sure. you know, it's just it never you know the whole series would have takes place on the station and be kind of dull. Well, th- it was interesting to me when I think it was uh, Star Trek uh, First Contact when uh, didn't Picard take the the captain's yacht out or was yes. that? Or was it? Uh, that was in not first contact. That was in uh, Nemesis, wasn't it? No, it was before that. It was the one where they're on the planet oh, with the people that don't age. Insurrection. There you go. Insurrection. insurrection yeah. Um, but I remember thinking, how cool is that? Have they had that all? The-? And then I went back and looked at some of the technical specs, and I guess even all of the Enterprises had a captain's yacht, but they never used them. We never saw them. I don't think. The TOS ship did. I thought it did. I, I thought I looked back at the thing and, and I thought, well, do you think they have a, a captain's yacht on this one? And somebody said, well, sure, they have them on all the Enterprises. And I thought, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I only I, remembered because the only reason I really ever knew about the captain's yacht was way back when I was like building like the AMT uh, model, and they mentioned like a you know, little, little oblong little disc that you put on the bottom of the 
of the the saucer, which was the captain's yacht. And I was just like, huh? What's the captain's, captain's yacht? yacht. <laughs> you know, while we're talking about like just the these little ancillary ships and we've talked touched on the Delta Flyer and the runabouts and the captain's yacht, just in general the the Mark whatever shuttlecraft that they introduced in TNG was the goofiest little thing. I mean, I just I still to this day when I watch older episodes of TNG when they had that little tiny shuttlecraft yeah. It is just the silliest thing to me. Because I mean, the TOS—I I think the shuttlecrafts in TOS, like the Galileo—they um, had some was, room in them. Yeah, I mean, it was—it was—it was a cool little ship. And and you know, oh, and have you guys seen the, the restoration they're doing of that? That yes. they actually have, finally someone bought it and oh, got it good. out of that junkyard and are good. fixing it up. Good. But it's uh, those—it was those those TNG shuttlecrafts I thought were terrible. But and for the life of me, I don't recall if. I don't know if we ever saw a show. Oh, no, we did see it. We saw shuttles in um, in the in Star like Star Trek Five and Star Trek Six, right? Right. They we were bigger us, and better. Yeah, th- which and those were kind of cool. But I just never. I thought the TNG shuttles, especially in the early seasons, were horrible. They were just they were just little boxes. And they used a them a lot. They had them a lot in a lot of them. Yeah. So. I mean, you you wouldn't catch me dead in one of those it's, things. Yeah, it's tiny. It's, it's tiny like a little thing. smart car or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's what it looks like. Yeah, and then I mean, and they had they'd have the practical set on the soundstage that for the hangar, and it just was the goofiest looking thing. Tiny little the whole back opens up in order for people to get in. It's just yeah. like, oh my god, that's terrible. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got, in fact, I've got the Magellan sitting right here on my shelf in front of me, little shuttlecraft. It's a cute little thing, but uh, yeah, kind of goofy. Yeah. Anyway, I just had to mention those. No, the, that's the great. Shuttle, that's great. I always yeah. loved the shuttlecrafts, even though they were goofy looking. I always thought that'd be fun to fly so around. I like the ones in Enterprise. That was cool. Those are tough ones, little suckers. Yes, right. Yeah, the ones in Enterprise. And, and actually, those kind of go back to the TNG ones because they are yeah. little boxy little things. Yeah. But they were they were like armament. <laughs> well, not yeah. armament. They were just, they looked like heavy metal ships. It was great. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Big solid kind of. Yeah. Or small solid little pellets or something <laughs> very cool so uh now we're bouncing around a little bit on all these but um we didn't talk about the uss reliant which was the first time i ever knew that there were different ships than just the enterprise well here's here's where my my love and admiration for the for the technical manual really just was i was so thrilled to see that design because in the technical manual there there's a a couple of different classes of, of ship like there's a tug class that has two warp nacelles that drop down from underneath the primary hull and i always thought that was a really cool sort of aesthetic and design and when i saw the original pictures uh, uh, in, in like starlog magazine of the reliant i was i was so excited i the, the reliant to this day i think is one of the coolest ships oh and- i do too i i remember seeing it for the very first time in the theater with in rathacon and having that puppy come across the screen and we all just went <gasps> yeah you know, <laughs> you know and the reliant it, it really really solidified in my head that all Federation starships need to have some very, some basic components that are the same. And it's why later on when we saw new Starfleet ships being introduced in later series, like in Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and when they're fighting the Borg and in the movies, that look nothing like the other ships that it always bugged me yeah. a little bit. And that, yeah. and when we get to it in the new movie, you know, I, I want my ships to sort of have some continuity. I want them to look like they were all came from the same manufacturer effectively. Right. And right. they're just have been modified for, for their, their task or their use. But I also understand that the art directors have their own visions and they're going to go crazy when they get the opportunity to design something new sure. and exciting. But, sure. 
I mean, the Miranda is, is just a great example of you take a primary hull and you stick a little extra engineering section on the back and some hangar decks and drop two nacelles down, and you got a cool, cool looking ship with a roll bar. I mean, <laughs> hey, it doesn't get any better than that. Yeah, exactly. A roll bar. <laughs> yeah, rolling around with a roll bar and shoots out torpedoes. That's pretty Jeez. cool. <laughs> and, the fa- and the fact that, again, watching, rewatching DS9, there are apparently 25,000 Miranda class ships in the Federation because they're every scene of every fleet is absolutely lousy with them. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, you- uh, they're meant to, like, say, when I was doing some research on it, like, say, I guess they're apparently the Miranda class uh, starship was kind of meant, to, it wasn't a deep space ship. It was more to work around in kind of the known galaxy. So it was kind of your, kind of, your just everyday type a worker kind of, ship. Uh, yeah. Ship, you know, to send out send out to areas that that were well kind of well patrolled or or well explored or well populated type so yeah. it's just kind of your your federation workhorse ship so it was uh it's kind of cool because they were kind of they said oh it's kind of like you know these like naval ships you know they have the they have kind of smaller armament ships which you know just kind of cruise around you know kind of you know safer areas and and this is kind of what the miranda class starship was which is which is kind of cool it was also to um didn't have a very big uh, crew size, only uh, 35 to 40, uh, 40 uh, crew. So that's kind of cool that, that you got a ship which isn't uh, just loaded with, uh, Tons with of uh, crew. And then yeah. that smaller ship, too, they, according to, the, uh, to the, the Memory Alpha, it's a 765-foot ship. You know, that's interesting that, that, that where you pulled this, that data from, that it, um, it, it says the crew of 35 to 40, because I always thought it was more. And, and if, you, if you really look at... A Miranda class ship. If you take a look at the primary hull, which is all sort of there, and then you take a look at the additional engineering and hangar decks, sort of on the back, it actually has got a lot of space. I mean, it, it may be, it might be, it's a lot shorter than a Constitution class ship because it doesn't have the secondary hull and, and that long hangar deck out the back. But it still looks like you, it maybe would maybe have half the crew, right? But not a tenth of the crew, right? You know? And it's just right. interesting that that yeah, I, I always thought yeah. it was more. I guess as well too. Like say they used it a lot for like it was like a science, science based ship. So it might have had a lot of. Uh, they might have used it to do a lot labs of labs and, and they, they, scientific they got work. A, they got a lot of use out of that model um, for the Reliant. It's, it was repackaged, rebranded, rebuilt, added on in all the series. You, it, it it appears so many times. Do you remember though in Wrath of Khan when the Enterprise? When when they fired upon it and it blew up the nacelle, ripped it off oh, the thing. Oh yeah, that uh, was that was the best special effect shot for the time. Yeah, I I cool. loved it, man. I mean, they yeah. caught that baby in slow motion and it ripped apart. <laughs> Whoever did the you know model blowing up must have had a blast that day because it oh, was. It looked so cool. When it, it was did. Like going around, it was missing that that one nacelle. I know with the, with the like... electricity coming off. The... Yeah. yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a great great ship, and uh, you know when I like I said when I was a kid, there were I, I can't remember if it was part of a game, but you could buy these little miniatures of all of these ships. You could buy a little Reliant, a little Enterprise. Um, heck, you could even buy the ships from the from the technical manual were available, and they were That's they're cool. actually made of they were made of lead and. You, it was you could you could get a bird of prey, and I remember I collected those like crazy. Oh, they, were, they were hard cool. to find, but they were really neat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. I guess a couple other kind of notes I found interesting. I guess originally when they were doing Wrath of Khan, they wanted to have another Constitution class uh, starship, but then they kind of felt that that would uh, confuse the uh, confuse the audience. So they decided that um, they'd come up with this Miranda class starship, you know, so that you know, like it would be 
be you know different looking than what they were going with and also to um i guess apparently the as as noted the it was the uh the refit was like a really hard ship to work with and to film so when they built this uh, miranda class it was much easier for the uh the special effects guys to work with so just kind of cut down on their work of having to work with a, a two difficult ships that's cool that's now, yeah. i saw your notes here that uh the bridge of the reliant was actually a redress of the enterprise bridge i did oh, not it's, it's, i oh, didn't yeah, know that same set yeah you can, i didn't oh, know they, that they basically they basically covered up an elevator or they uh, uh, i figure what they did, and then yeah. they just they just toned down the lights and I didn't they, realize that. See, I, yeah. You learn a new thing every day. There you go. And I like that kind of stuff. I like learning that. That's cool. I, now I'm going to go look. And that's, Actually, that it was the first that... design. It was their first new design ship since a Klingon cruiser as well, too. So it was the first kind of ship they kind of built right up since a, a Klingon ship. So, Right. Which was kind right. of cool. And also, too, I, I saw this actually on the DVD a few weeks ago because I was, I, was, I was watching... Uh, I was watching Wrathicon uh, and I was watching some of the extras. And I guess when they originally designed the uh, the Reliant, I guess apparently they shipped off the uh, the the drawings and the nacelles were supposed to be on the top. Eh? kind of like like uh, you saw in like all, all the starships, like the yeah you know, Enterprise and all that. The the, the kind of the nis, like the nacelles kind of hang over the um, saucer section. And then when yeah, Mark Bennett saw them, he saw them upside that picture, down. Yeah, yeah, if you look at that picture, it, it, they clearly were intended to be facing up, but yeah. Harv Bennett looked at it and they were upside down. He's like, "Oh, that's good." Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's <laughs> funny. That, well, I like it now. I think it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. Anything else cool about that? Any other thing cool? Uh, not really. Again, it's just uh, I think it's a very uh, you know say it's a very complex ship. Um, you know, based off of. Um, all the model builders that I've seen work on it, uh, there's a lot of lighting on it, uh, a lot of different lighting that, um, that that you would have seen in the Constitution class ships. You know, like there's a lot of lot of effort which went into that ship. Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting that they that they they want to call it a science and patrol vessel, and yet it has a, a huge photon torpedo. You know armament sitting on top of that roll bar i mean the, the, i always for me the reliant was always kind of a tough little ship kind of like the defiant it was yeah. like you know when it when it goes toe-to-toe with the enterprise it's kicking butt yeah. and it looks like it's designed to kick butt it looks sturdy it looks tough and it looks like it's really well armed so yeah that's interesting well talking about really well armed the you, defiant oh my gosh do you remember it was what was it uh tough three, little ship three or four little. years into deep space nine they gave him a ship Season, I think it was season three, when and, they brought the Defiant in. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget yeah. that. It was so awesome, and you know they. And then when they showed it, it was like, oh, that's so different looking. It's so yeah. different. But yeah, it was I, really I don't cool. know, Jeff, and hope that you can you can enlighten us a little bit because I'm I'm not 100 percent clear as to where the design inspiration for the Defiant came from. It was so out. Of, it, it it really it truly is out of left field because it it, it incorporates none of the quote-unquote standard Starfleet things that we come to expect from a ship in terms of the hull design and anything like that. So, it, uh, you know, it doesn't even have nacelles. So it has, I mean, it does, but they're sort of incorporated into the ship. It's, yeah, it doesn't it's even so look different. like a Federation ship when you look at it. No, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it came a lot from the um, from the, uh, the the producers again. I guess the initial instruction was that designers were to kind of make a beefy runabout but then they kind of looked at it and they wanted something to look a little, I guess, a little different um, than what, um, you know, some of the other Star Starfleet ships had looked like, um, you know, because the Defiant looks so, you know, it's it's a, 
that's a lot different than um than uh than the, the other uh you know starships and also too i guess apparently they wanted to make it look really fast so yeah. i guess apparently the designers um i guess they uh they uh actually use some uh some posters of ferraris to kind of get a bit of uh get That's a bit of inspiration yeah, you know what i, I never thought about jeff i mean as 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 open wheel racing fans like you and i are I think the no the front of the defiant does almost look like a you know yeah. fairy nose cone of a of a formula one or an indy car you know it has yeah like, and then the side pots a bit they go a little yeah, bit that's of good. side pot there with the exactly. intake as well too interesting so. i never thought about that yeah I, I didn't realize that either i mean certainly the defiant certainly represents form form and function in terms of the if the ship was designed to to to, to be a ship of war to fight the borg it doesn't have a bridge sitting right on top of a primary hull that a, a big juicy target instead the bridge is sunken down in that ring at the yeah, top and, yeah. it, it, and it's because it's so compact and it's so maneuverable it doesn't have a lot of extraneous and quote you know things that might look delicate or something that might break the ship is just tough it's just a tough little ship as as Riker said I've always got a kick out yeah, of the fact it, that that uh, yeah. Worf had his his quarters in there for many yeah. of the seasons. I think that's hilarious. Lived yeah, on. He that. felt comfortable there. It was like it was just a stripped down ship too. There was no um, no real um, no comforts of home at all in there. It was just a <laughs> it was just a warship basically. He could, play, he could play Klingon opera while sitting on the bridge. That's right. That's right. That's funny. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. and like say it was originally, um, like say it was originally uh, designed to uh, battle against a Borg, and then when that uh, threat went away, it was uh, somewhat scrapped until the uh, Dominion um, conflict came up, and then they they brought that in. And as we all know, this was kind of the uh, first um, first uh, Federation ship with uh, which uh, actually came with a uh, Romulan um, cloaking Romulan device. cloaking device. Oh, um, interesting. Funny thing though, is um, like we we're talking about the. This was a real powerful ship. Like they rammed a, a, a big giant uh, warp engine into this one because it had a it had a maximum speed of warp nine point five. Wow! Yeah. In a little class like seven warp drive, which I think they said took up something like three decks or something like that. So wow. it's basically again like what Brian and I are talking about the you know the the race cars out there. You basically got this kind Turbo of this car. nimble car yeah. and you just drop this huge giant engine on top of it and this is kind of like the defiant a bit uh oh that's that makes that's great that's a great point about the cloaking device and and in into ds9's credit not that the show needs to any more accolades because it's so great such a great show and so well written but they they really addressed the use of the romulan cloaking device like the romulans were on deep space nine in a few episodes saying you can only use the cloaking device when you're in the when when you're not in the alpha quadrant i mean there were like rules to use the cloaking device and the romulans were really all particular about that and it was it was cool that they spent the time they didn't have to they could have said uh, the romulans loaned us a cloaking device end of story but they actually made it part of the of the ongoing story that it was an issue that they had this that they weren't supposed to have this technology right and the romulans weren't happy about sharing the technology and so it was, okay it was cool the way they did that question for you though something that glares out to me why in the world does the federation not have a cloaking device when all these other races do well, it's just, it, the the Klingons got it from the Romulans back in TOS, so that's that was established. They stole it from them from the Enterprise incident that the Klingons had were using 
Romulan cloaking devices because that's what happened in that episode. So were the Romulans that, just, just they just discovered it and they were smarter than us and and so uh, we never ac actually developed our own. I guess I always assumed it was because I always assumed the Romulans figured it out because they had that singularity engine system and right. it had something to do with that. So they right. have a totally different power system than the Federation, which uses matter antimatter. So right. I, I always figured that was the situation. How. How they were able to, how the Klingons then were able to incorporate that onto their capital ships, like, the, well, not even on the capital ships. Oh, no. Well, well did, did D7s cloak or is it just Bird of Praise? I uh, thought it was just the Bird D7s, of Praise. Those Romulan uh, D7s did cloak. But those, were Romulan, but those were Romulan crew D7s in, in yeah. the Enterprise incident. So yeah. I can't recall. I can't remember. Does a D7. I can't remember if, the, I don't. Think? I'm thinking obviously a Katinga yeah. class or one of the ones from the series, but oh no, I think there was one. Wasn't didn't Voyager run a, come across a D7 that was lost in time and space or something, and it and was it able to cloak or something? I don't know. Possible. Know. Yeah, I'm not anyway. sure if they really touched on it in the original series. Yeah, because no, I, I always right. we always knew that the uh, the because that was a big thing with the uh, Romulans that their ships cloaked, but uh, like say the Klingons uh, never. Well, we only saw the Klingons a few times no, in the original right. the series Klingons, as well. The Klingons really did, never did cloak in TOS. It was just the Romulan D, Romulan had the D7. So anyway, well, maybe we, we'll, when we get to talking about the alien yeah. ships, we'll have to take a yeah. look and see yeah, how it's Yeah, we'll idea. look into it a little bit more closely. Sorry about there. that. I just thought. No, huh, good question. Huh. That was a good question. Actually, one of the uh, kind of the, the interesting things, too, is that the Romulan cloaking device, apparently Dominion, uh, you know, due to this big giant uh, warp engine that left this big warp signature by the, that the Defiant had, that uh, the Romulan cloaking device didn't do the greatest a job for them when it was trying to 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 cloak them because they could still see them yeah they could they were able to penetrate it uh later on in the in the war and so i think it was a lot to do with that as a big big giant uh warp engine that they they stuffed into the defiant oh that's right funny. now it had a bunch of weapons on it didn't it it was oh yeah it had a ton of it like say it was um loaded <laughs> loaded with weapons as well too what we've got here we've got uh four phaser cannons um three phaser emitters uh Four torpedo launchers, wow. two aft launchers. Like this thing was like, say this is a this was just a strictly a war, war battle type ship. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it, that's it, very it, cool. It, it is a cool ship. All right, which which where do we go next? So where do many. we go next? I think, um, unless is the Excelsior. The Excelsior. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the, that's the, right. The, Third design of a of a Federation ship that we ever saw in terms of chronology, you know, when when they pull in Star Trek three, when they pull into that into the space station mm -hmm. and it's sitting there, it's like wow, that's, that was that was a really cool moment because it was like you never you always sort of assume the Constitution classes were the biggest and baddest, right? And then, then all of a sudden here's this huge thing, the Great Experiment, yeah, Excelsior, yeah, so. and just uh, just dwarfed like say when you saw it sitting in the in the the docking bay or whatever, and it's just like. Up against the, you know, just the Constitution class ships, and it was just like, ugh. I hated it at first. Well, we, I think we were. Don't you think we were design. supposed to hate it? Well, I, yeah, you're right. It's it is it's 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 the bad character, Captain Styles, is an arrogant ass, and you know that's with that's his riding crop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. But no, I just I I you know it, in retrospect, I've come to appreciate the very Art Deco-y look of it, and. Like how it has that the neck the cent, the dorsal neck is like all of these rings that kind of go down and but from a design standpoint I always thought it was incredibly awkward I always thought it was the primary hull was was kind of canted inwards pointing up and then 
the secondary hull got really too thin and tapered in the back and extended far too long. It was way too wide. The, and the warp nacelles were kind of dull. So I never, ever was a big fan of it. But I was always fascinated by it because you saw it in some – in when the Search for Spock came out, you saw it in some of the still images from the film. And when the movie came out, you get some, you get some interesting shots of it. And I started getting more and more into it. And that's why, I, you know, Jeff, when you recently got that Enterprise B, and I just saw that, that uh, Art Asylum is going to come out with, finally with an Excelsior model, I'm definitely going to get that one. Because I actually, I've grown to love the Excelsior over time and that, that design of a ship. Because it was used a lot, obviously, in TNG and everything. And I've come to appreciate it a little bit more. Well, I still think it's kind of good. I still think it's wonky looking, though. Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I think it looks a little wonky, and and like say it look, looks like it's a tough ship to almost kind of maneuver. It doesn't look like a very well maneuvering ship. But uh, I know when I was at the toy store, I was actually I was originally going to pass on that B, but yeah. then when I had a look at it, it was just like, oh, I, yeah, it is cool. <laughs> it's just too cool. Like say, you when melted, you see, like, you, when you, you get lost that Excelsior it. and you actually look at it and you actually have it like in person, it's just like, whoa, that's a that's a. You press the lights and see how it all lights up. It's just like, whoa. So a, and appar- it, apparently the Federation then abandoned trans warp drive after the one movie when Scotty pulls the stuff off of the thing or what? <laughs> you know, I, if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a wagon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. guess it just. Was like I say it was a great experiment, and uh, I guess it wasn't it wasn't reliable as the uh, the you know just basically the, the it's your standard warp engine. So so they they went back to I guess the old reliable instead of I guess like anything you know you could probably spend a lot of time and energy uh, you know putting efforts into you know trying to make something better, but you know I guess like anything you know they they might just not had the manpower or whatever to to continue on with it and decide to keep on you know with just the standard warp engines. You know, sure. The um, the the bridge of the Excelsior. I mean, and, and if you you gotta think back, obviously, to either Star Trek Three or to Star Trek um, Five, the Undiscovered Country, I guess, because that's the only time when Sulu's in command that we actually see the bridge of the Excelsior. But it, it reminds me so much of the JJ uh, and New Bridge because it was very glitzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go back and look at Star Trek Three. It's this, it's very big and, and there are there's like 47 people working on it on the bridge yeah, and yeah. it's really cr- a lot of it, but it's and it's all like flashing lights and glass and everything and it always reminded me of the when I when I saw the shots of the JJ bridge I was like oh god that reminds me of the Excelsior which I which I, at the time I never liked it, like, it, yeah. it was so glitzy and it was so jarring because the bridge of the Enterprise when you think about motion picture Wrath of Khan Star Trek three was very intimate, you know, it had become very intimate and yeah. it was, it was lit dark and it was kind of like moody, you know, yeah, yeah. whereas the bridge of the Excelsior was like, we're on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think that about the new enterprise stuff on JJ yeah. stuff. Totally. Cause it's, no, it's all we're, like, we're getting there. We're yeah. Getting there. It's like, <laughs> but it looks like, yeah, like I, I'm just looking at a picture of uh, captain style staying on the bridge right now. It's just like, it looks like such a big bridge. It looks like it'd be Dude. difficult to actually command people. Cause it's so large. You. Yeah. Hey, you. Yeah, you just, to me? yeah. To get everyone, you go because when you have a more intimate bridge, everyone can get you know everyone's closer together. They you know they all maybe feeling the, you know the information gets around. Everyone's got maybe the same feelings on things. But when you're working on such a large bridge, sometimes you're wondering if one person on one side of that bridge is you know maybe may not. Maybe their console just exploded and they're yeah. dead. But at least on the yeah. bridge of the Enterprise, you know if someone that's dies. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I've never never was a huge fan of it, but definitely was a, was a design that sort of grew on me. But even now, when I when I look at the the 
the dimensions. They just don't doesn't make any sense to me. The the way it's sort of put together, and I, and the the way that that secondary hull is like a boat. It just drops down. It's like this big blob, you know. But anyway, it's uh, it definitely makes for a cool little desktop model. Okay, so before we go on to the newer ships in the JJ verse, let me ask you guys this question: What's your favorite Federation ship? Not the Enterprise now. That's not the Enterprise. What's your that you've seen on screen or in the in the shows? What's your very favorite Federation ship besides the Enterprise? Reliant. How about you, Jeff? Uh, uh you know what? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Reliant as well. And you know, but what? you know, but you know what? It, 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 you're asking two. Jeff and I are both real traditionalists when it yeah. comes to this stuff, and then it. It, 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 the answer to that question is: It's our favorite ship is the Enterprise, the Enterprise, the Enterprise, right. the Enterprise, and then the Reliant. Right. It's, but, and and not the uh, any other Enterprise than the one seven zero one original. Yeah. Like and the yeah. refit. That's it. You and, know, and anything else is second is always going to be second fiddle. We didn't actually cover the one that was my favorite, and that's the Stargazer. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that ship. When when that uh, was another kind of um, just. Just thinking off the top of my head, it's almost kind of like the Reliant as well. Too, yeah. Isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a little yeah. longer than the Reliant. Yeah. But I, I oh, remember when it came on the TNG episode, and and uh, you know, uh, a couple of well, didn't uh, Damon was it Damon Bach that brought it back and and had the oh, uh, right. yeah the yeah. the orbs on it, and then um, the same I think the same class of starship was used called the Hathaway. Hathaway, right? Which, uh, which was very. I think they just used the same model and put a different name on it. Yeah. But uh, I love. I don't know what cl- what what class of ship. I don't even remember what it was. Ooh, I'd good question, to... Jeff. Do you know? Uh, let me check it up here. Because yeah, 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 that you know that you can actually, Rick, you can find online that uh, there's a there's a kit bash <gasps> version of that that you can actually get. Really? It's a you, you get a you you ba- you take a reliant AMT <laughs> model and then you buy this aftermarket kit to. To, the nacelle, those four nacelles and that oh, cluster and those those that whole look anyway. Yeah, so, I always liked yeah. that one. I I think that was one peak performance was one of my favorite TNG episodes, where oh, right, where they right. bring the guy on that plays yes. uh, Master yeah. of Kolrami or whatever. Yeah, like Brian was talking. Like I've seen I've seen a couple of guys have gotten that uh, Stargazer model, and so it's a it's a nice looking model. Uh, Stargazer is a constant. Constellation class starship. Oh, constellation! Right. All right. right, okay. That's right. Okay, and uh, let me let me see if I can find some details here on it. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to bring it up, and I, you know, yeah. but oh, I good. it's got a, a maximum spot. warp nine. Warp nine is the maximum Sweet. speed on it. Um, nice. Oh, yeah, it's got a, it's got quite the interesting uh, look to it. The engines are just uh, <laughs> they're all over. Like, There's a bunch yeah. of them. They're just uh, just amazing here. Let me just. Uh, Send you guys a link here. All right. I love it when he sends links. <laughs> Send your links. I'm on, I'm there, man. Open yeah, it. No, there, it. It is it is a cool ship. And uh, oh, I can't believe we couldn't remember Constellation class. That's right. Oh yeah, it is cool. And it's and if you look at that, if you look at this uh, this picture of it, you can see from in this forward view, they took the, they took an AMT Enterprise secondary hull top. Then they built this. They extended out and built this multi-level, multi-deck yeah. center section, and then slapped the bottom part on the bottom, yeah. and then build out off the back this these four warp nacelles, two two above and two below. But they're still effectively the same kind of warp nacelles that uh, a Reliant or a 
or a refit enterprise would have. But uh, yeah, no, a very, very cool looking ship and one that we, we weren't going to mention. So I'm glad you brought it up. All right. Well, there you go. See, yeah. I just look for the cool ones. I don't have any idea what they're like, but <laughs> it's like the cool look of it. All right. So we've, we've covered a bunch of the Federation ships, not all of them, I would imagine, because I'm sure there's tons more in, in Trek lore and canon. But uh, let's jump into the JJ verse, Mr. Jeff, because I know you did some some research on these, the newer That's- ships that we got to see. Yep. Yeah, these ones are a little, it's a little difficult because um, they're not as well, you know, because you've got like books yeah. and books, you got like technical manuals and all that on these, on the Prime Universe uh, ships. So it's, so uh, there's not as much information on the JJ verse ones yet. Hopefully, you know, over time people flesh that out a bit more. But uh, well, what the, I could find yeah. on the Enterprise, the JJ Enterprise was uh-huh. uh, apparently it was, I don't know, different people said different things, but apparently it was 2,379 feet or 725 meters long. Um, Which would but, put it effectively yeah. in galaxy class size. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, and that's, and, and, and why, right, before we get into the scale, why don't we just talk about our, our initial reactions about the design? Okay. Rick, what did you think about the ship when you first saw it? It was a little cartoony to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like the nacelles were kind of goofy looking because yeah. they were really rounded and stuff. Now, uh-huh. it grew on me. And now when I watched Star Trek Into Darkness, I liked it better now. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Maybe because I'm just more used to it. But the first time I saw it, I was like, no, they're not going to really do that. It reminded me of Decker's uniform on, on the original. Uh, movie uh, just with all the curves and the I don't know it's just different it was yeah. different looking than I was expecting it wasn't as yeah, they, sleek it was more cartoony yeah well they, they the thing with the nacelles is that not only were they kind of a, they were on a funny shape but they were almost oversized they were just right. they looked disproportionate and then every, the primary hull looks great I mean for me my initial reaction was like oh it's 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 a it's a perfect homage to the refit enterprise in terms of the primary hull and when I would look at the sides and the windows and the decks to me, it, it it visually played out as being the exact same size as the refit Enterprise, as far as this, the primary hull. So then I would look down at the secondary hull, and I, you know the dorsal neck is fine, but the secondary hull again it has a disproportionate shape. It's 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 fat, and then it does this. It looks paper. like a barrel kind of thing, yeah. Right, and then the swooping um, the swooping arms of the nacelles up to the nacelles I thought were were a nice touch I mean I didn't that looked okay but the nacelles were also closer together it seemed they weren't sort of out they were more in towards right, the middle right but uh, and I agree my I was very much against this ship initially and did not like it at all it has grown on me over over time and in this in into darkness seeing it in action I was I enjoyed it a lot more than I have before how about you Jeff uh, yeah, I had the same feeling as you guys did that uh, when I first saw it, it was just like, uh, like say the nacelles just really jumped out at me and it was just like, ah, uh, it just seems like they're just like really overblown or really exaggerated type kind of design on a ship. But over time, actually I found with Into Darkness, they had quite a lot of just nice kind of just beauty shots of the ship that yeah. uh, got me to appreciate it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like the, you know, there's still there's certain things like, you know, like the where the primary hall and the secondary hall, like the the neck area, just seems like it seems very um, weird how yeah. how that uh, attaches it to. But uh, it, I don't know. I really like it. Actually, looking at that Revell model, yeah, the online, one in Ger- the German release, yeah, yeah. That, that's available now. Yeah, it's made me look very interested in getting that model because it's just yeah, it's just oh, I don't know. It really captured that. It's it's, it's a very unique looking design ship, eh? So yeah. I. Yeah. I don't know. Like, say it's growing on me. I guess sometimes, you know, 
sometimes you know things that you re- you really love it just takes time for them to grow on you yeah, yeah. agreed agreed well yeah so now let's so now let's address the scale all right, okay so, I mean, all right so to me i go into i go into the 09 film thinking that this ship's going to be the size of of the refit enterprise and that's fine and when i see it in the dry dock scene when kirk's um still in iowa and it's right. still being seems still seems that way to me when they're flying the shuttle up to the ship it seems that way and then all of a sudden they land in this hangar deck that's immense and i'm like what it's awful big and then the brewery and i was like what the heck and i think i think because it bothered me so much it totally biased me against the ship and that's probably one of the reasons why i didn't like it is is that i'm i'm just like there's no way that can fit in what you're showing me, it just can't. And that, and right. that, and I know other people are like, "Oh, who cares?" I was like, well, "I do." It's, it's a just, TARDIS. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. I cannot reconcile this in my head. Same, you know, it just, it just didn't make any sense. And I was so hopeful that for Into Darkness there would be, they, I would say, just scale it up, make it huge, make it big, make it everything. And initially, I thought it, 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 they were doing that, especially in the scene where Kirk and. Um, and uh, McCoy are swimming into the Enterprise when it's underwater. Right, right. That looked big. It looked real big. I was like, yeah. okay, maybe we're going to get our big Enterprise here. Um, but then later on, there's a shot of, uh, which is a great shot of Kirk's of the that pans into the bridge through that window on the front. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the size of the characters versus the window versus the rest of the ship, all of a sudden it's back to being much smaller. Right. And I'm just like, oh my god, I can't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I thought the same way as talk about first world like, problems. Brian, Brian can't get over the size of the Enterprise. Because <laughs> <laughs> like that whole thing when that when it was falling into the atmosphere of Earth, and it was just like they're running through the engineering section or falling through the engineering section. It's just like this just seems too big for for the the ship, hey. Eh? And then given that the you know how large the um the shuttle bay is, you know, it's just like where where does this fit? Like, I'm, playing, I'm playing the game in, in, the, in the, the new Star Trek game that uh, that that Chris and um, and Joby talked about last week on the show. Yeah. And um, and yeah, you you're you're in the ship and you're in the shuttle bay and it's huge. I mean, it's it's expansive. It's massive. I mean, I'm just like, <sighs> it holds. Apparently, it holds 20 shuttles. That's what the, the sure. information. Sure. Wow. And let's face it, these shuttles yeah. are almost as big as runabouts. Right. I mean, these shuttles are not small. They're pretty big shuttles. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but it—I it, mean, so if if they could just reconcile that, I'd be I'd be a happy camper. But otherwise, I mean, it is it is a cool looking ship. I think that I think what they did with the photon torpedoes and the and the phaser emitter effects are cool. Makes it more dynamic. Makes it makes it more exciting to watch as opposed to you know the the type of phaser and photon torpedo effects we've had in the past. So I think I give them props for that. Yeah. Exactly. Because like, I was reading here, you know, it's like the phaser banks are like a kind of a rapid firing type uh, one and then um and then also to the torpedoes i guess apparently can load 12 of them up and and fire fire them uh, simultaneously i guess yeah, they're rapid fire cool when so when they kick when they could like boop, 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 they all come out at once yeah that was out. awesome that was really really cool uh, what did you think of the color of the this particular enterprise well it's it's still the i mean it's still effectively pearlescent white i mean the, the i enterprise- thought it was more blue I, I thought it had a blue tint to it but then i may be wrong I think it's this way they light it, but I think the I think the the CG model the the, the refit Enterprise is a, was a, a pearlescent white done with that Aztec pattern that right. it had some green on the on the back of the secondary hull and there were some other colors, but effectively it was it was white and right. most Federation ships have always been the models have been white the practical models have always been white and painted with that a pearlescent paint, 
I, I assume that these have, this is always this is the same because it definitely has that same kind of look. Um, so yeah, Hi, but to me it plays as I know he's right here. <laughs> to uh, me it plays as white. Yeah, yeah okay. it's got that. Uh, well, like I say it's got the, it's a real subtle. I think again another real subtle type kind of um, uh, you know kind of uh, paint job or or you know. Well, it makes it look metallic. It. it makes it look. Yeah. It makes it have that metallic look to it, which is really really great. Which makes yeah. it look. Really, I really, really love. I really love when they the, all that Aztecing that they've taken, taken to uh, Star Trek and all, all their ships. It just, I don't know, yeah. it just adds that that real subtle detail. It so brings more of a depth it to it. Of, yeah, it gives them depth. It gives them size. It gives them a sense of scale of mass. You yeah, know, really, yeah. and it gives something that the light can play off of, and that's uh, that's really it's really cool the way that way they do that. Even though with this new Enterprise, it's obviously all CG, but even then, they're able to sort of replicate that, and it's it's a great effect. It looks really good. Well, okay, Which, let's go back to two thousand. 2009 for a minute you're sitting in the theater you're waiting for this new star trek to come on and all of a sudden the thing cranks up and there's this ship and you're staring at the uss kelvin i like the kelvin i you know i didn't i, I was surprised at how much i liked it i thought it was kind of really cool because it i like the fact that it had the the secondary hull up above and a warp nacelle down below you mm -hmm. know it kind of had a it had a neat Kind of, because isn't that the way it went? Wasn't the second yeah. home? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a cool, a cool looking ship. And what I really liked was that, especially when you went inside and saw the bridge, <coughs> it me. felt like an older ship. It felt like this is this is a ship that's probably been around in in service for with Starfleet for 40, 50 years. You right. know, it looked like right. it had seen a lot of a lot of missions and a lot of days. You know. Yeah, apparently when I was I was doing some research on this, like say the sorry, sorry, I'm looking at a picture. <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of this thing, and it just first went on and won't go off. <laughs> just a second, just a second. I'm so sorry. There you go. Okay. I just wanted to see a picture of the Kelvin. Gosh. I know it is. But what I was reading about the engineering section is apparently uh, JJ really wanted a he wanted a really kind of beat up, used looking type kind of. Um, um, area to to film it in because yeah. like Brian is saying, you wanted to make this ship look like it'd been in service for quite a while, and right? Been a well used ship, and uh, like I say, I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. Again, it was kind of a like say you, it reminds me a bit of the Defiant a bit too. Let me say what JJ or, did, or the Reliant, I should say. The brewery, the brewery, yeah. He, I'm sure he wanted it to look practical, and I'm sure he wanted it yeah. to look like it was a functioning thing. But the bottom line is, he got that brewery cheap, is what he got. He yeah. got himself a cheap place to go film, and he was like, "Hey, I can save some money here, and I think it's cool." And you know, some people they're fine with it, but you know, I think I'm glad that they that... didn't bring it back for the second movie, though. I didn't yeah, see yeah, it very I was, much. I was disappointed. I was like, "Come on, just give us, build a set, build a yeah. an, an engineering set, yeah. and give us because the the the, the fit the engineering section was so cool with the warp core pylon and everything yeah, and yeah yeah i just I'm, i've always been disappointed and continue to be disappointed with the engineering that's a bummer so i'm not going to engineering so don't make me was there anything else about the kelvin jeff about the kelvin yeah. uh it had a crew of 800 and it, they said at least 13 decks and then like we said it had the single warp nacelle holding the warp engine in it uh like i said i i really like we said i i thought the when we first saw it, I just—it's yeah, just a really uh, interesting ship. Like I like to like how how they kind of approached it, and it's one that I hope they uh, they'll put a model out for someday. Wait, I did you think see the I'd model cool. of the Kelvin on the desk of Admiral Marcus? 
Yeah. I, oh my goodness! Ne- I didn't realize next, that's you're next right. To a model of the NX01. Yes, I which was, was really so cool, cool. Where they switched the you know because they had the, up to the NX01 and then you know kind of the the timeline kind of splits off there and then uh-huh. they're they've got like the Kelvin. It's just oh, it's, it's yeah. so cool that they 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 acknowledged the NX01. I thought that was yeah, just so was cool. Too. I did but too. It was, that, it was neat that they made a little model of the Kelvin and then next to it was a model of the Vengeance. So it was curious that they had they you know they actually made little practical models of those, which was neat. That's really really cool. Okay, well let's talk about. The, the vengeance. The, the vengeance. The vengeance. Dun, Tell dun, us a little bit about this one, Jeff. It's a uh, dreadnought class ship uh, designed by Khan for the purpose of war against the Klingons. Uh, secret space dock uh, by Jupiter. Uh, this was uh, commissioned under uh, Section Thirty One, which was nice that they <laughs> they brought that into uh, into Trek or into that was kind of cool to the actual movies. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, it was twice the size of the Enterprise. Uh, heavily armed. Mostly automated, so actually one person could run this ship. Which is like, huh? Yeah, we'll, huh. We'll, I think we get to that. Let me do, I'll just quickly, before we, we go on, um, Dreadnought class is a very a, a nice throwback to the technical manual. Because in the technical manual, there is a Dreadnought class of Starship, which was effectively a um, almost like the, the All Good Things Enterprise with the three nacelles. Oh, it was a yeah. three nacelle Constitution class kind of looking ship. That's so, cool. Yeah, that's a nice little nod that they did there by that's calling cool. it a dreadnought. That's cool. Uh, a couple other things. Weapons can be used when the ship is at warp. Ooh, yeah. Um, deflector dish, as we saw, will, uh, can be covered by the uh, hull when not in warp uh, to, I guess, save it if they're in battle. Um, two large, high-powered weapons. And according to Khan in the movie, um, three times the speed. I have a hard time with that. Yeah, wow. I have a hard time with that because they said <laughs> so the maximum speed of the Enterprise was warp eight. eight. Warp, warp eight, and it's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't see warp twenty four. Huh? I don't see it. <laughs> I, I don't see warp twenty four. <laughs> well, you know, there, something too I thought was interesting—a little plot hole in, in Into Darkness. Obviously, there's a lot of them, but it was it's still a great movie. But uh, do you do you realize that the shields were up on the Enterprise when Carol Marcus is beamed off the off the bridge yet? Later on, Khan wants the the shields down so he can beam the torpedoes over to his ship. That's right. He, so what happened there? Yeah, yeah. Now I, I think I think the dreadnought is a was 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 a an interesting idea. I think that the execution of that idea though wasn't necessarily the best. From a des- I, I I didn't care for the design. It, it's it it looks. It just looked like a big enterprise. Well, it looks like a big enterprise, but kind of—I didn't like the boxiness of it. I yeah. didn't like—I I mean, I don't like the fact that they were able to build this thing and like no one noticed. I mean, that yeah. seems a little bit, but you know, and, and it just uh, the, the way that the, the the primary hull it was had a cutout ring, had a cutout in the middle, and the the bridge was sort of in the middle of all. Oh, of that. you're right. You're just, right. You know, it was just a very odd looking ship. Having said that, I mean, I saw that they're going to come out with a little micro machine of it, and I'll probably get that the little tiny one that they're going to make, but. Um, I don't know I just it just seemed a, a little bit uh, a little bit clunky for my taste. I'd rather it be a little more sleek and a little bit more deadly looking. Instead, it just kind of looked like a transformer or something. You know? Yeah, I thought. Yeah. For me, it was when it came onto the screen, it was just huge. It was gigantic. Yeah. So it was well, like they don't have any chance. The size of the Enterprise. JJ shot that sucker to make it look like it was five times. I know. I was gonna say I thought it was way bigger than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought so too. It's got, it's almost got a bit of a two, depending on what angle you're looking at. I'm just looking at a bit of the uh, Hot Wheels toy here right now, but uh, mm-hmm. it's almost got a bit of the Enterprise E yeah. kind of feel, feel to, it, to in it in certain spots. But the idea, uh, that, um, the idea I'm like that, Brian. I'll, I'll get the toy too. 
Yeah, <laughs> we're suckers. The idea that <laughs> the ship can be run on such a small crew, although mm. strains credibility, because you know when you see Kirk and Khan running through the ship with Scotty, there are stations with chairs there. There, I mean, it clearly is a ship that could have a crew of a thousand people if they want. I mean, but the fact that they make mention in the film that the ship can be run with a re- very small crew. It, I think is a was a, the writer's way of getting away with the fact that Marcus was going had a crew on board of a few people that were willing to go along with his craziness because, because he, that nobody, was a fully complimented ship. Yeah, destroying the energy. No, I mean they would have relieved him. Man, no one's going to let that happen. I mean that was just insane. Right. But they, I think that gave them an out to allow the Marcus. Marcus to be this this cold blooded guy because there's only, and even Scotty if you recall Scotty when he inter, when he encounters that big security guy in um, in the engineering section before he lets Kirk and Khan through that airlock he looks at him he's like you're not Starfleet are you it's right. almost like he knows that these guys are like private security or Section Thirty One or whatever they're clearly not part of our our Starfleet that we know and love and who are admirable and honest and caring people who would never do this which why and, is why he got blown into space. Right. And, 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 you know, it's, it, and so I, I, I took it that that was not a MacGuffin, but that was just a conceit that they threw in there to say, well, we need to have a big, we want to have a big ship to blow, to fight the Enterprise and that Khan, Khan can take over. But how do we have a ship that big with a crew of 2,000 that's going to let this Admiral destroy the Enterprise? Can't. It's not, I mean, that'd be ridiculous. Right. So right. let's make it so that it's a super special ship that only five people can fly. You know, it's like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess you got to give them that. So. So now I have a question then for for you guys, um, since I don't have any of the technical manuals or anything like that. Is there a, are there a whole lot of other ships in the in the manuals and stuff that we just didn't we just never see or we haven't seen yet? If you go to if you go to Memory Alpha, there's a a, a huge list and classes of ships, a lot of which have appeared in either the games, um, role playing games, video games, the books. Okay. Right? I mean, Jeff, isn't that right? I yeah. mean, isn't there? There's a ton, um, all of which you know stick to bra- the basic design of Federation ships, and they just move nacelles around or move right. engineering sections around or whatever. But um, if you if you go into one of those sites, that's where they are. But there's really yeah. no other you know sort of one source of that. Like I said, the technical manual was yeah. the first book that tried to sort of establish what the canon would be for for Federation right. ships. Right. It'd be nice if they had like a they've come out with some nice coffee book ta- uh, table or oh, ship of the line coffee books, table uh, books. Right. The oh, the ship of the, the line. line. Those calendars, yeah. right? Yeah, I've yeah, got the calendar right here, yeah. Yeah, they've got a lot of uh, kind of um Different. prototype type kind of ships and and things like that. So well, you, you oh, know you cool. know which one which one we kind of forget, we, we we didn't mention which one? um was the the uh, Nebula class the mm. reliant version of the uh, the Miranda version of the of the Galaxy class? Now that which, was a cool ship. Which now which one was that? I, That's the one from TN, from all the TNG episodes that basically is a Galaxy class secondary hull, a primary hull with two warp nacelles underneath, and okay. almost like right. Oh Jeff? yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yes. Yeah, that, Nebula class. They they appeared in a lot of episodes. Was uh, the Crazy Nebula. Horse one of those? I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Let me look here. And we're looking at uh, Nebula class. That that ship appeared a lot in the series, and yeah. definitely mentioned. Yeah, we have what uh, like the Prometheus, right. USS Prometheus, USS Farragut. There we go. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, Rick, if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It has a it, – it's a so imagine a Galaxy class with two lower nacelles on the hull, and then it has a, a top part, like a, like a roll bar, almost like yeah. the – but it, it's, a, it's like a big sensor pod. It's not like a weapons pod like the Miranda class. Exactly. Okay. It's very yeah. reminiscent of a Miranda class. It's just got that secondary hull type going for it. That's cool. Yeah, that is a, that, that's a neat ship and one that I'm glad I'm glad, I'm glad to remember that because that, that that that's a ship that showed up a lot in the series. Very cool. Well, it's always fun to talk about this kind of stuff, especially when when uh, for it's us. So dorky. I know so it is so nerdy, <laughs> but it's really fun because you know I know a lot of people that are really going to enjoy this conversation uh, because who else do you talk to about it? Yeah, but you're right. You yeah, know, I right. mean, my wife doesn't want to talk about this. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not exactly <laughs> water cooler type talk at work that's for sure <laughs> it would be nice but <laughs> so my hope my hope going forward in, in now that we actually are getting to some sort of a five-year mission is i i and now that the in the vengeance has been crashing to san francisco by the way a lot of people had to die there I mean, oh, was, you know was there was awesome. a that was a huge <laughs> amount of deaths yes nothing for nothing but that was something but uh, no I, yeah. I hope what i would like to see is i would like to see whoever is going to take take the realm the helm for for guiding Trek forward from an art direction standpoint. I, I'd like to see more continuity in the ship design. I, I, let's establish the scales. Let's allow us as fans to have models that can be <coughs> each other that we can build. And let's have them look like they're all part of the same family and they sort of all belong together. Because even the Kelvin looks nothing like the, the Enterprise right. in the universe, which, which again, I ascribe to the fact that it's older. But I'd like to see that. I'd like to see... I like to see variations on the Enterprise and create new ships that kind of have that same sort of look and feel. Let's, you know, and, and let's work with that. Let's get back to that kind of thing. That's what I always enjoy, having on a shelf a bunch of models uh, that are in scale that are all Consistent. Federation starships that yeah. look like they belong together. I suppose because right. you, you, put, you put a Vengeance next to an Enterprise, next to a, a Reliant, and a, or next to a Galaxy class, and it's like... They look like they hardly look alike. They, right. they look so different. So yeah. that's what I'd like to see going forward. Very cool. Well, Jeff, any closing thoughts from you? Uh, not not a lot there. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just like Brian. Like I say, I, I'm just hoping that, like I say, just the introduction of some more ships, I guess, to talk about in this new universe. Because uh, you know, I'm just a big ship guy. So, like I say, they can throw some more ships in there. It'd just be, I'd really enjoy it. So I, I, I'm hoping, like I say, I'm not sure if they're going to do another TV show at some time or whatever, but uh, introduction of some more ships or like during their five-year mission, uh, you know, just uh, run into just, some new stuff. Yeah, yeah, new stuff. I, I'm looking forward to uh, our next podcast when we we get to talk about the um, alien about the ships. alien yeah. ships. Actually, I, I must admit, I really like. We'll talk about this more in the next podcast. But I like that Klingon. Uh, I actually like that Klingon D4. That was cool. Yeah, I like the kind of insect, insectoid looking type. Oh, uh, the, the new bird of prey in the new movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. pretty cool. I, I just like the wasp or something like that. I love yeah. the look of the Klingon. He was awesome. He was cool. I love their masks. I thought that was great. They yeah, were nice. great. I like yeah. Bane, Bane, a cross between Bane and and uh, a stormtrooper kind of. I don't yeah. know. It was just really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it's very neat. So I'm looking forward to doing that with you guys. That'll yeah. be a lot of fun. That'll be fun. I was, that's what I was going to say too. So I guess until next time. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the uh, the show. And if you have any comments for us, just send them to our buddy Rico at treksf at gmail.com, and I'm sure he'll forward them to us. I mean, even if you thought we sucked so bad, you just go ahead. Let us know. We'd love to hear from I you. I can't take that kind of criticism. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but it's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, talking with you guys. A lot of fun. It always is. And uh, I just love Trex and Sci-Fi. What a great community. We do have a great group. Great to talk to you guys as well. And uh, all my best to all my friends out there in the Trex and Sci-Fi land. Cool. Bye, you guys. Have a great day. Take care, Jeff. Okay, take care, guys. See ya. See ya. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. If you'd like more information about the podcast, don't hesitate to email Rico Dosti at treksf at gmail.com. Or sign up to be part of the great community at the forum, which is treksf.com slash forum. See you next time on Treks and Sci-Fi.